Folks, we're going to look today at a psalm, Psalm 42. It's very familiar to some of you. It's written by a group of men. It's not written by David. And we're going to look through this psalm, and we're going to address an issue that I think is very relevant to all of us here. So whether you come to church normally or not, maybe this is your first time in a while, maybe you come regularly here, we're going to talk about an issue that all of us face, all of us are dealing with. And it's really the issue of a longing, or, I, or you could describe it as this, an issue of emptiness. What do you mean by emptiness, George? Well, if you've got a bulletin, I'd encourage you to look on the back of the bulletin. There's a section for you to fill out. I'm going to give you two thoughts about this emptiness issue that I think that all of us are struggling with. I know I struggle with it, and I'm sure you do as well. In fact, everything that we see around us is an evidence of people struggling with this. So here's the first thought. There is within us a deep longing for something more. There is within us a deep longing for something more. You ever notice that? You ever notice, I mean, we're getting ready to go into hunting season, you know, and you hunt every year, and of course this is that year, or maybe last year was that year when that big, huge buck showed up, biggest set of antlers you've ever seen, and you got to take it, and you reveled in it for the moment, you bragged about it for weeks or months afterwards, it's sitting after an investment in your living room, which your wife wishes would disappear, but have you noticed it's another hunting season now? And you're still longing. You're still wanting something. You've got the biggest rack ever in the history of Pennsylvania hunting. Chances of you finding something bigger, eh, probably not going to happen. Not unless mule deer all of a sudden evade our area here. But the reality is, is there's this longing within you. You want something more out of life. And so here's my second point. My second point is this. Despite our best efforts, nothing truly satisfies that longing. Have you noticed that? Nothing truly satisfies that longing. You strive at work to achieve whatever at work, and then you get it. But there's nothing beyond that. That longing is still there. You're chasing after something. You're striving. Maybe, you know, all your life, I'm amazed, you know, I've been pastoring now for over 20 years, and I, young people always amaze me. They're, they want to get married so bad. If I could just get married. Remember that when you were young? Then you talk to somebody who's been married 15 years. They don't act that way. They just laugh when they hear that. Why? Because the young person thinks, well, if I get married, then everything will be okay. No, it only begins. It only begins, doesn't it? Nothing truly satisfies you. Oh, if we had children. Well, then you have children. And then at some point you realize they leave. And then, have you heard of empty nest? We're learning that. <laughs> We're not dealing with that really well. The reality is, is despite your best efforts, nothing Nothing satisfies it. 
Well, I'm here to tell you that maybe that longing, maybe that emptiness that you're trying to satisfy isn't what you think it is. It isn't what you were hoping it would be. I mean, you thought maybe it would be something that would be satisfied with love and marriage. You thought maybe it would be something that was satisfied with how many deer you kill. Or or you thought maybe it would be something of what you achieve at work or your ability here or your bank account. And, and the reality is, is that even when you achieve all of that, have you noticed the longing still there? So you look in other areas to try to satisfy it. You try to bring some fulfillment that just seems, to be honest with you, very fleeting. You think that maybe if you do this, you can achieve it. If, if, if we could only change the room, the way it looks in the house, or, or get new furniture. If, or if I had that new vehicle, then you get it. And guess what? A, few, a little bit later, you're going to need another new vehicle, right? Because the newest one's got the newest gadgets that you want. I'm trying to tell you that possibly the issue that is what's going on in your life goes back several millennia. Every single one of us is born with it. It's we're born with an emptiness for God. It's a God-sized hole that's inside of each and every one of us. It's, it's really an issue of whether or not we have God to bring the fulfillment to our lives. We say, well, you know, George, I've been going to church all the time, and, you know, I, I got saved, and, you know, and I, and, and, but I still got that longing. Well, yeah, going to church, can I be honest with you, won't satisfy the longing. You can go to church all you want. You can get involved as much as you want. You can give as much as you want. Serve as much as you want. That's not going to satisfy the longing within you. The longing within you can only be fulfilled by God himself who really needs to enter into a relationship with you. You need to see him in your life. So this is why we're coming to Psalm 42. This is what we're going to see here. So if you notice on the screen, we're going to read this together. There are 11 verses to this psalm. And notice with me. He says this. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My, thirst, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude, and I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept a pilgrim's feast. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. 
Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows are gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in night his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning about the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemy reproached me, my enemies reproach me, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this psalm, and there's so much that's there that we're going to basically look at two different things here in this psalm. We're going to see it in two different places. We're going to see, first of all, despair. And I think we can all relate to that. What do you mean despair, George? You talked about a longing a, mi a minute ago. Now you're talking about a despair. I've got this emptiness, but I'm not living in despair. Actually, they're connected. Because have you ever come to the place where you want so much to have that longing, that emptiness fulfilled, you've tried all you can to bring fulfillment, only to find out that nothing is working. Nothing is working. The marriage isn't bringing you to satisfaction. The children aren't bringing you to satisfaction. The work promotion isn't bringing you to satisfaction. And you find yourself in despair. Folks, that's why a lot of folks turn to alcohol or to other things or food to find comfort. Despair. And then what we're going to see also is that there is something more. Something more that the, the psalmist is bringing out here for us. So let's, let's talk about despair for the first thing. Notice the very first thing. It's really interesting. The writer, the writers here, the sons of Korah are saying, as a deer pants for the water brook. What a picture. It's a picture of a deer. It's hunting season. We understand that. If you're stalking an animal, it knows that you're after it. it it's running from you. It's, it's trying to get away from you so that you don't get that shot. And it's doing what it can to get away from you. And the picture here is of a deer running to a point of being exhausted, wanting something to drink. Really, that's the picture, isn't it? We're wanting fulfillment for that emptiness in our life. And we're exhausted. So here's what I want you to see. We are exhausted and thirsty from our pursuits, from our pursuits for fulfillment. We are exhausted and thirsty from our pursuits for fulfillment. Have you ever noticed that when you try to fulfill the longing in your life, it exhausts you? It keeps you up at night because you think, okay, if I could just get this, if I could just do this, if I could just achieve this, then it'll be okay. And then, of course, you do that and you realize you're still feeling unsatisfied. You're still feeling like that longing is not at all being achieved. And the fact of the matter is, is you're like this deer panting for water. Despite our best efforts... We can't do it, so we're exhausted, we're thirsty from our pursuit of fulfillment. We're exhausted and thirsty from our pursuit of fulfillment. 
So that brings us to verse 2 and 3. Notice what it says there. He says, my soul thirsts for God, the living God. Here's what I want you to see now. We're desperate for God to make himself known to us. I'd say this is universal. You know, I interact with a lot of people. I interact with a lot of people in our community. A lot of them will say to me, you know what, George? I've been to church, done that church thing. I'm not interested. Well, I'm not talking to you about a church thing. Because what i found is even people who aren't interested in a church thing, they are interested in seeing this, God showing up in their lives. They are interested in knowing that God cares about them. They are interested in knowing that God can help them. They are interested in knowing that God is concerned for them. And so that's what the writer is saying here. He says, you know, I'm like a deer panting for water. I've, I've tried to find fulfillment and longing for myself, and it's not working. And so here's what he says. I'm crying out to you, God, because you're the only one who knows specifically what's going on in my life. You're the only one who knows what this longing is. You're the only one who can fulfill it. Have you noticed that? You know, I've been married to Lori now over 25 years, and yesterday we had uh, something of a, I guess you could, at this point you could call it a date, we were actually, nobody was with us, and we went on a shopping trip, okay, and we actually went and had a meal together, is this a date, I don't know, okay, wow, kind of cool, isn't it, okay, so, but yet here's the thing, so, um, when we're sitting down and we're talking together, I'll be honest, after 25 years of marriage, I still don't know what's going on inside her brain. I don't know how she thinks. Now, she thinks she knows how I think, but she doesn't either. Okay? So here's what I want you to see, is while we have this relationship, we still don't know how each other are feeling. We still don't know what, what are the longings of each other's hearts. In fact, that's sometimes what the frustration is in our marriages, is, is that we get frustrated with our mate because you don't really know what I'm wanting. You don't really know what I need. You think you know, but you don't know. And, and so there's this frustration. And, and the reality is, is here we are, we're trying to achieve this longing in our life, and nobody knows, nobody understands, nobody can see it. But you ever had somebody tell you, like, calm down at work, what are you trying to do? You don't understand. But I'm going to tell you right now, God does. God does understand. God knows everything about you. God knows what motivates you. God even knows what you don't know about yourself. And the psalmist is saying here, in his despair, he is desperate for God to make himself known to him. I think we need to be honest about that sometimes. It's okay to say, God, I want you to make yourself known to me. I want to know that you're real, that you care about me. Here's the other last thing I want you to see about the despair issue. We feel alone. Look with me. He says this in verse 10. 
As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? We feel alone. We've got this longing within us that we're trying to achieve. We think we know what it is that we've got to do. And we feel like we're the only one who even knows what's going on. We think we know what's going on with our lives. And we feel like we're in this alone. In fact, that's what our culture tries to tell you. Our culture tries to tell you, if you don't take care of yourself, nobody else is going to take care of you. And so we feel we have to do life alone. And have you ever noticed that you can be alone? We've got a large group of people here this morning. You can be in a large group of people and still feel what? Very much alone, right? Very much alone. And that's despair because there's this longing within you. You're not even sure exactly what it is. But you're trying everything you can to bring fulfillment. And if even if you think you found fulfillment, you realize almost immediately that it's only for a moment, maybe even just a second, and there it is again. But the psalmist, while he's expressing to us the desperation for God, the fact that he's alone, the fact that he's exhausted from trying to pursue the fulfillment of his own longing in his heart, tells us within the same psalm that there's something more. And really, that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want, to, I want to stress to you that there is something more. And I'm going to tell you right now, something more isn't just deciding to come to church here. Because, folks, you can just come to church here and still be empty. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can just decide to come to church here and still be empty. That has nothing to do... You can go to every church here in town, decide... You know, there are 10 churches in Kerwinsville. You may not know that, but there are 10 churches here in Kerwinsville. And you could decide to go to all 10 every other week for a year and still not find any satisfaction. I'm going to tell you, you're not. Because it isn't going to church. But bring satisfaction to your life that something more is God. And that's what the psalmist says here. And so I'm going to bring three things out of the passage here. Again, I want you to notice with me, look at verse 4 now. Look at what it says. The writer says this very clearly in verse 4. He says, When I remembered these things, I poured out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude... And I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. First of all, here's what you need to do. You must remember and pray. First of all, what do you mean you must remember? Well, what do you need to remember? Well, you need to remember that there's a God who loves you who cares for you, who created you. There was a God who has a perfect plan for your life. He created perfection in the garden, but man rebelled against him and thus created this emptiness in our lives that only God can fulfill. You, you need to remember that God in his trying to fulfill that emptiness in your life sent his son Jesus to die for you. 
to give his life for you so that your sins might be forgiven, the guilt and shame be removed. You need to remember that he extends that gift to you freely. You just need to take it. And then you need to pray. Now, now here's the thing. Prayer, what is that? That's, that's like a spiritual word. What does it really mean? Is it some sort of religious exercise that we engage in? No. No, not at all. It's simply talking to God. See, we need to remember God. And then the psalmist is saying you need to talk to him. He says he poured out his soul. When's the last time you had a heart-to-heart -heart with God? Seriously, when is it? Have you ever told God you're frustrated? Have you ever been angry enough to say to him, I don't like what's going on here? Have you? That, my friends, is a relationship. To be able to go to God and to express to him what's on your heart and how you're feeling. See, you need to remember that there's a God and then pray and talk with him. See, I think when you begin to realize the depths of that kind of relationship that you can have with God, you might actually find that that longing becomes fulfilled because he fills it with himself. Here's the next thing I want you to see about this from, from our passage here. He says, look at again, verse 4, he said, for I used to go with the multitude. What, what's he talking about here? Well, decide not to go it alone in your pursuit of God. See, the psalmist is realizing, you know, he, he used to get with other people who were pursuing God as well. Let me just kind of help you to understand something. I mean, I, I want you to realize something, that when God created you, he did not create you to be an island to yourself. Have you noticed that? He created you to be relational. Do you ever realize that? He created you to have relationships with other people. Have you noticed that? That's why we have things like marriage. Because we're not supposed to go life alone. That's why, can I be honest with you, most people have friends, right? Do you have friends? Everybody have friends? Yeah, I've got friends. you got friends. Because we're not meant to go life alone. And I'm going to tell you that even in the pursuit of you wanting to find fulfillment for that longing in your life, that desire, that emptiness, you're not to pursue it alone. See, that's part of the problem is, is that we're trying to pursue it alone. We think, well, if I do this, then that'll bring fulfillment. If I do that, that'll bring fulfillment. And then guess what? It doesn't bring any fulfillment. But the scripture is very clearly telling us that if we're going to pursue God who brings the fulfillment, you can't go it alone. You need others. See, that's why there's church. Church isn't because of a service. Church isn't because of music. Church isn't because of preaching or, or, or even reading God's word. Church isn't even because of ser serving other people. Church is about you connecting with others. We're getting ready to do that in a moment. In a moment here, we're going to go downstairs and and uh, suck down some uh, sweet tea and have some ham barbecue sandwiches and some sloppy joe sandwiches. And who else knows what's up? 
I did see some cinnamon buns. Oh, what's that for? All the basis of our getting a, being able to connect with each other. Why? So that we can help each other, what? In our pursuit of God. Our pursuit of God. See, you've got to decide not to go it alone. That's what he's saying here. The psalmist realizes that, you know, there was a time when I, I, I remember, and I, I used to go with others. Maybe that's where you're at today. You used to remember when you were involved with a group of believers and you felt alive then. You felt alive. It brings back a memory for me. I've been a believer now 33 years and I remember I, you know, I, I came to Christ as a freshman engineering student at the University of South Carolina and I went to a little bitty Baptist church outside of Columbia there and those folks really nurtured me and, and they became like my family and then when I remember God calling me into ministry and I went off to study at school and at seminary I used to love to go back to my home church because I felt fulfilled there. Why? Because I was with those people and we were growing and pursuing God together. Did you understand what I'm saying? See, that's what church is about. It's not a service. It's about relationships. Relationships with God and with each other. There's one other thing I want you to see here. He brings it out in several different places. He brings it out in verse 5. He also brings it out in verse 11. Simple statement here I want you to see. He says, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And over in verse 11, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of my countenance and my God. What's going on here? Well, you must have hope that God will help you. Let me say that again, because this is really the issue, okay? You must have hope that God will help you. All right, all right, stop with me, all right? I want you to think for a moment. Okay, can we admit that we are spending a lot of time, money, and effort on our parts, whatever that might be in your life, trying to pursue some sort of fulfillment to some sort of longing or emptiness in your life and in my life. Is that not true? Isn't that what we're trying to do? We get frustrated by that. We think that we can do this, we can do that. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and we find ourselves in this never-ending, exhausting, frustrating pursuit. We think we've achieved it, and then we wake up the next day, and okay, what do we do now? And there's that longing again. Now, Here's, here's what you need to ask yourself. Here's the question. You have to decide whether or not God is the one who is, can bring the fulfillment to your life. That's an easy question. Because for some of you, you might be here and you're saying, well, you know what? I, no, God's not the one to do that. Well, then you've already got your answer. But if you're here and 
you're saying to yourself, yeah, I see it. I see that that longing within me, that, that emptiness within me, that's a God-sized hole. Only God is the one who can bring to bring satisfaction to me, that's going to require something now from you. And what it's going to require from you is faith and hope. What do you mean faith and hope? Well, I have faith in Jesus. I, I have faith that he'll save me. Yes, yes, that you need that. You need to have faith that Jesus died for you and that he forgives you of your sin and that he saves you from hell. Yes. But as far as that longing, you need to have faith and hope that he is the one who will bring that satisfaction to your soul, not just in a moment, but on a daily basis as you interact with him. Do you understand what I'm saying? You need to have hope that God can meet your need. You need to have hope that God can bring satisfaction to your soul because he's the only one who can. You need to have hope that God will help you. That's what the psalmist is saying here. Have hope. You say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Well, let me give you two thoughts. Here's the first one. We've already talked about it several times. I even just mentioned it a few moments ago. Recognize the emptiness that you cannot fill. That's got to start there. Recognize the emptiness that you can't fill. You can't. I'm going to be honest with you. Finding a spouse isn't going to fill it. Having a child isn't going to fill it. Getting a new job isn't going to fulfill it. It's nice to get a new car, but getting a new car isn't going to fulfill it. Going and getting a Denny's burger at Denny's Beer Barrel and Pub, while that may fill you for the moment, isn't going to satisfy it forever, is it? you got to recognize the emptiness that you can't fill. And see, that can I be honest with you? That's going to take a little bit of effort. Why? Because we think we can handle everything. And we think we're smart enough to find a solution to all of our problems. But this kind of problem, this emptiness that's within us, you don't have the resources or the ability to fulfill it. So it's going to take a swallowing of pride to come to the place and say to God, God, I got this emptiness, and I can't do it. I'm driving myself crazy. I'm driving my family nuts. I'm driving everybody around me nuts trying to fulfill it, and I can't do it. I need, here's the big one, isn't it? I need you. I need you. So here's the second point. Decide to pursue the one who brings you fulfillment. Hey, if you took the energy that you put forth to trying to find a fulfillment on your own, if you just took that same amount of energy, even if you just took a fraction of the amount of energy that you put forth trying to bring the fulfillment that didn't bring any satisfaction, if you could just put that over into your pursuit of God, you'll be blown away by how all of a sudden that emptiness disappears. And I'm not talking about that you all of a sudden will become religious. Religion has nothing to do with it. It has to do with having a relationship with God. 
Because Jesus offered it to you. Remember what he said? Come unto me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will what? Give you rest. He's the one who gives us rest. He's the one who brings the fulfillment. But you know what? I can't make that decision for you. I've got to decide it for my own self. You have to make that decision to pursue him. Because you know that he's the only one who can bring the satisfaction. He's the only one who can bring the fulfillment. Let me pray for you.